0: Welcome to Waypoint, my name is Blair, I'm one of the pastors here. We have been talking about how we are complex people who are shaped by complex forces. We've been using a TV show that's done that really well uh, called This Is Us, and, and we've been looking at the forces that flow into your life. Um, we're going to put some of those forces up on the screen, but they can flow into your life like a flood. You don't get to determine how they come in. Some of them are just like a wind that bends your will a little bit. Like like friends, for instance. You have to be careful who you put in that space in your life because they're really influential. They can change the way you think and live. Uh, Experiences flow into your life, negative and positive ones, and they can shape who you are. But the granddaddy, the big one, sits at the top of that list, it's family. And it is like a hurricane force that comes into your life. Now we've talked about how you don't really have control about any of these forces. And you might think, I can control my friends. You, you can and probably should be wise about who your friends are. But you don't get to control what comes through their life into yours. That, that's part of what happens as friends. But family, You're born into a family that you don't get to vote on. It just happens to you. And immediately, the hurricane force starts to go to work on your life. And I don't don't think I'm having to tell you something that you don't already know. Family shapes us. It shapes us in in all kinds of ways. In fact, it was God's design that he would put you with somebody that would shape a lot of important things about you, and that kind of flows into your life. What I'm, what I'm kind of wondering though is I'm wondering how many of you understand how your family has shaped some things in you that you think are normal but it's not necessarily healthy that you live that way. You've always done it that way. I wonder if you understand how broadly family has impacted you. Like in all the areas I was talking to somebody after first service about this, and he goes, man, I I think we all know how big this is, but I don't think we wanna talk about it. He said, even the jokes aren't okay. And I was like, oh my word, you're right. Like, if I told you that I went to my wife and I said jokingly to her, you're just like your mother. Oh, listen to the gasp out there, right? The reaction, like, that's not okay to say. And yet, here's a little bit of truth. We're all influenced by our parents. And and my parents who love me, they love me, still ended up influencing me with some good and with some negative stuff. And the reason there's some negative stuff that came from that is because my mom and dad weren't perfect. And it turns out that's what all parents have in common. They're not perfect. And so they do some things, and it shapes your life. And, and a lot of it's really good. A lot of it's really positive. And some of it's not. And some of it you, you've just never thought about. It's just normal to you, and you live based on it. And others, other things you recognize as not being good, and it irritates you that you're like that. And you don't want somebody pointing out that you're like your dad or like your mom. You don't want to hear that sort of thing because it grates against you. And, and you can carry that for a long time and it can work you up. And it can work you up for years. Um, we've been using video clips from the television show This Is Us to kind of launch us into each conversation each week. Um, this week, we're not, it's not a launch, it's more of an explosion. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna show you why you should never film your family's um, counseling session and load it up to the internet, all right? It's, there's a lot of stuff that's uncomfortable here, but there's a ring of familiarity to it as well. I think um, the most honest reaction in this whole thing that you're gonna see is the way Kate responds to all of this. So let's just jump right into it. I want you to watch this.
1: It's interesting that you bring up examples of Kate and Randall, but not Kevin. What? Kate not having her father at her wedding and Randall not having his father when his children were born.
2: Yes, because those were just the first two examples that came to my mind.
1: But don't you find it interesting that you have specific examples for your other children, but not Kevin? I don't. I don't find it
2: interesting. I find it typical, to be honest with you. I mean, this is what we talk about. No, mom, you're. you You don't have to lay into her. Okay, here we go. Yeah, here we go is right. Look, I've tried to empathize with you, Kevin. I really have. Okay, I've held my tongue as your rich spoiled got sent to this Four Seasons for almost killing my daughter when most anybody else would have got sent to jail. I've held my tongue while you've whined about your childhood, a childhood which I was there for, by the way, which I bore witness to your football tosses on the lawn with dad your tummy rubs from mom when you had a fever see Barbara may not have been there but I was there so don't you dare try to pull that same lame piece of wool over my eyes bro okay I've held my tongue but I will not hold my tongue while you go after our mother for not parenting I'm her. not
1: going after our mother, Randall. Why do you always twist things around She's like that? He's not, not twisting af- anything, Kevin. He's simply defending me. Oh, and I'm lo- sorry,
2: Mom. You're right. I'm sorry. Why don't you take his side? because that's I, I, I am not this. taking anybody's hey, side. You want to talk about your tortured childhood? Huh? You want to compare baggage? <laughs> Wait, no, let's <laughs> Wait, no, do that. No, no, my... no, I would never yes, compare my tortured Kevin.
1: childhood with yours, Randall, because I wasn't abandoned or adopted no. or I didn't have anxiety or I'm not a genius. No, you're Kevin. definitely
2: not that, Kevin. You know what else you're not? You're not an addict, okay? The only thing that you're addicted to is attention. I mean, what happened, Kev? Your movie wrapped, you weren't rolling with Sly and Ron Howard anymore, nobody was looking at you, so you had to get us all up here. All eyes on you, cue drug problem. Okay. Okay, Okay, guys.
1: Now, you know so, what? I, I just, I'm, I want to know your thoughts on this, Randall. Why do you think your daughter was hiding in my car? Why do you think your daughter was hiding in my car? Have you ever thought about that? What about it? She was avoiding the Randall show. Don't oh, you? No, no, welcome to the heart Randall heart show, man. ladies Kevin, and gentlemen. Kevin. Adopted by white people, two dads. Does it get any more interesting than that? Well, not for Randall. So you, you move your dying father into your home without thinking about what your wife or what your kids think of that. And then you bring some, some strange girl into the house after he dies, right? And the only person sitting there that no one's paying attention to is your daughter, Tess. You know what? I'm done, man. No. Randall. 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 And Randall out the door. Cue mom chasing her favorite son. This is no. such a predictable movie. You are so predictable. You raise your voice hey, to her hey, one more hey, time. All your children you love equally, right? Yes. That's what you keep saying. do do love yeah, all I'm my sure children the same. Wouldn't it feel refreshing, though, just to write here in this form, because this is where you do that kind of stuff, to just tell everyone the truth, which is that you love Randall the most. Oh, He's your that's favorite, not right? not true, Kevin. It's not true. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, not okay, it's ridiculous. Then name me one thing that you and I have. One thing that you and I have that is special, that is just you and me. Not not I... not all of us. Not me and Randall, not me and Kate. Kevin, can you stop? I, I, I'm I I'm flustered, and it's not kind of you well, what you're doing. Well, just admit that you love Randall more. We can stop pretending to be no, this perfect No, he was just easier.
0: He was angry at me for no reason, and he didn't <laughs> abandon me and move away after his father died. Kate's sitting there stunned. I think that's how a lot of us feel about this kind of stuff, and if you're tempted to think that's just a TV show that they do for drama, the reason I played that clip is because I have had conversations with so many people that have those same elements in it. That person, always you always took their side. Somebody in our family was the favorite, and it wasn't me. They were just easier to raise. I mean, I mean over and over again, you, you hear all of that kind of stuff just explode in the room, they're aware. Like they're aware that stuff got passed into the family and it didn't go well. But, but the thing is, there's other things that get passed, some of it's good, don't get me wrong, that you're not aware of either and it still shapes your life. Uh, The the thing is, you're looking at that and going, these people are in their late 30s talking about this. It's so unrealistic. No, it's not. This stuff so broadly shapes your life. It will follow you for your whole life. It will shape how you live, and it doesn't matter how old you are. If you felt wounded or hurt by something that rolled into your life from your family, you will carry that for a long time. Here's, Here's the problem Um, that I've run into is that some people feel like in the face of those things that the family has kind of placed in their lives, they're kind of doomed. They're they're kind of destined, kind of programmed to live that way. They, They have to deal with the cards that were given to them, and they don't have any choice. So, If I don't feel loved by you, I'll always not feel loved by you, and I'll feel that with other people too. I'll read into it. And this is who I am. This is kind of how this goes. I'm doomed because of what's happened, which seems kind of odd and silly, except that I've heard that in the church. And I've actually heard people use Scripture to defend the very idea that I've been shaped by my parents in a way that I can't do anything about. So I wanna start there, because if if you believe you can't change, then why try? So I think we have to start with that section of scripture, that understanding, because it's been broadly talked about. And uh, once we have our feet down on that, then maybe we can move forward in a different way. Um, This is in Exodus chapter 20. What we're gonna find is the Ten Commandments are being given, and embedded in the Ten Commandments is some stuff that's said about parents, kids, and sin. And um, the children of Israel, the nation, has just been told, I don't want you to worship other idols. Don't, Don't do that, it would be wrong. And there's consequences that will come from it. And he lays out the consequences. Halfway through verse five, he says this. For I... The Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. This is not the only section of scripture where it talks about punishing the kids for the parents' sin. Numbers 14, eight, 18 mentions it as well. And here's the problem. If, if I've... Um, kind of already told you that I think all parents aren't perfect. I'm not. And that that means they've done something wrong. There's this chance that there's stuff that's going to be passed from your life into their life in the form of a punishment. And the way, the way I've heard Christians talk about this is it's a family curse. The, the wrong that you've lived with that you pass on to your family is a curse, and there's nothing they can do about it. Because listen, it's one thing if you pass on some influence to them, but it's a completely different thing if God's the one who's passing this on. What can you do about that? Except just bear the weight of that punishment. This this has caused a lot of stress in people's lives. It's caused a lot of stress because they can look back and see that they've been influenced and and they see that thing in their parent as well and they wonder if that family curse has been passed on to them and now they just really have to live with it. They're doomed. They don't have a choice. I've talked to parents who have felt guilty that they've made mistakes and that now their mistake means that their kids, and it's not just their kids, did you see it, third and fourth generation, and their grandkids and their great-grandkids are all gonna face some sort of penalty because of their failure. And they feel a sense of guilt and weight over this. So what do we do? Because it seems like that's what's being said here. How do we figure this out? Well, we get the whole picture. We don't stop there. We try to get the whole picture. There's a couple ways we'll do that. One is we're going to take you to another section of Scripture that talks about parents, kids, and sin. And listen to what it has to say. This is Deuteronomy 24, 16. It says, Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sins. This idea... Shows up in Ezekiel. He talks about it. There's an actual, uh, it's a pretty long section. We didn't read it because it was so long. Um, there's a king in 2 Kings, King Amaziah, who makes a decision not to punish the family for the wrongdoing of a father, and he's commended by God for doing the right thing. So which is it? Are you guilty by associating with your family? You've, you've associated with them, and so you're gonna be punished for the stuff that your family has done? Or is it not guilty by association? You're responsible, they're responsible, everybody faces their responsibility. I mean, how do we find our way through this? Because, you, I mean, you understand what we're talking about here, right? There, there are things that get passed down through family. I, I, I don't know about you, I've, as I've gotten older, I've started to recognize that I have some very similar mannerisms with my dad. I, um, we, we sit in the chairs some of the same way, we get up the same way, sometimes with the same kind of groaning, right? I never, have, I never had a conversation, not one, with my dad where he said, I'd really like you to have the same mannerisms as me, let me show you how to do this, right? Never happened. My dad was an angry young man. I was an angry young man. And I can look back and say, maybe, maybe, right? I got some of that from him. Is what we ta- is what we're talking about right here. Is that based on a curse? Did I end up being an angry young man because my dad was angry? Or did I just learn stuff? Did I pick stuff up from him? And and ended up with it in my life. I mean, this is kind of important to understand. Am I responsible for the anger? Or is it my dad and the curse that got passed on to me? And now I don't really have a choice. Because there seems to be two different options here. How do we figure out which is which? And it's gonna be important because you, I mean, you guys know this to be true, right? You can't look at a kid and say, do as I say, not as I do. We all know stuff is caught, not taught. And so I I caught a lot of things from my dad, a lot of good things from my dad. I caught other things that weren't good either. How? God? Or am I responsible? Well, to fully understand the conflict between these two things, I said we look at the whole picture, right? Right? One, God talks about this in a different way in other parts of the Scripture, and here's the second thing I would do. I would go back to the first section of Scripture and read it more fully. I think sometimes what happens, we get confused by what we read in the text because we read something that's disturbing and we stop. Like, oh, that punched me in the gut. I'm not going to read any further. And you miss that a whole picture was being put together. A whole story was being told. That was not the end of what was said about this, hey, if you go and worship idols, this is what's gonna happen. There's a verse six. And verse five says, hey, if you choose to hate me, there'll be some punishments to third and fourth generations, but listen to what it says in verse six. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments Do you see the contrast there? If the nation of Israel chooses to dishonor God and worship idols, they'll face punishment for three or four generations. But if they decide to keep their hearts turned towards God and they love him, a thousand generations, God will support him. That, that contrast was the point of what this was about He was trying to emphasize his love, his support for those who choose to follow him and give their hearts fully to him. The other thing that's going on here is he's writing to a nation. And he's basically saying this, listen, if the leaders of your nation, if they decide to worship other idols and I punish the nation, then everybody in that nation, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to suffer for that. It'll be three or four generations that will suffer for that. I'm I'm not gonna punish you forever, but I want to get your attention back and bring you back as a nation. There's not a single thing in here that was ever intended to be about an individual family curse that you would pass from one generation to the next. It's not there. What's there? What's there is this thing that we know happens right? We know this happens. We live our lives with people that we love, and sometimes that stuff spills into our lives. We catch it. They didn't sit down and teach it to us. We catch it, and we start living our life based on that, and we never stop to ask, is this healthy? In fact, I've heard this explanation for why people do things more than anything else, they would say something like this. I grew up and turned out fine, right? And what they just, I mean they were probably talking about they walked backwards from school uphill in a snowstorm while somebody was beating them, right? And they're like, but I turned out fine. That should be okay. It's always something weird like that. Like there was something that happened to them that wasn't great, but it's okay because you turned out fine. That's not the measurement that God cares about. That's not the measurement that he's going for. In fact, um, let's use an example. Let's use an example of something that shapes almost all of your lives and it shows up everywhere you go and it starts in the family. Your communication style, the way you communicate, um, most researchers would agree that you get most of those skills from your family. And so you go into your workplace and you deal with people in a certain way because of how you learn to communicate. You join a sports team, you communicate a certain way. You communicate a certain way with a person that you date, maybe your family that you're married to, right? You you have a communication style. And for some of you, you watched your parents grow up yelling at each other They didn't stop to pick their words carefully. They just got it out. And this is what they said, I'm just telling the truth. What's the problem? And now you do that. It's it's how you deal with conflict or things that happen. There's another group of you where maybe you watched a parent or you were told by a parent that it wasn't appropriate to think or talk that way. And so you weren't allowed to have that feeling, so you pushed it down and you buried it. And you push stuff, and you cram it in until you can't cram it in anymore, and then it explodes, and then you start pushing it down again. And you have this pattern that you learn from your family. There's some, uh, I don't know, I saw this in my family, and it's really easy for me to, to defer to, as when a conflict would happen, the place would just go quiet for a week. Like you, we'd have meals, but it would be like this. And you're like, what just happened here? Nothing did. And that was the point. They were were just going to wait it out until they didn't have energy to be upset at each other anymore, and then they were going to act like everything was okay, actually never solving the problem. And I'd love to do that with my wife. Like, when she's upset, I'd rather not talk about it. (laughs) It'd be so... That's what she says. She says, that's a bad response, right? <laughs> I know that, right? But for a long time in our marriage, I didn't know that. And I thought it was normal. And I never stopped to ask the question, what flowed into my life from my family, is it healthy? And if I, and if I were giving you some tools to work with, whether it's communication style, whether it's attitude, there are so many things that you catch from your family that they never sit down and tell you, I want you to think this way, I want to act this way, I want you to do this sort of thing. That never happens, but you pick it up. And 50 years later, you're still doing it because it seems normal. So I'm, I'm talking to everybody in the room. If I could give you some tools... I would ask you to do this, number one. I would ask you to have an honest conversation about what's in your life and, and say, is, do I think this is normal and is it healthy? Those are the two questions. The, the way I'm responding to the people in my life, do I think this is normal and is it healthy? And then as soon as you start to ask that question, it will lead you to this. Where in the world did this come from? Where where did this come from? And you're gonna find that not everything comes back to your family. It's not the case. But you'll find some things that were planted in your life because that's just the way you always saw it. And so for you, it's normal. For you, it just makes sense to respond that way. It's not helpful for anybody else in your life. But it's the way you're choosing to live. But you're not gonna get there until you figure out Am I operating on something that's normal? Does God actually think it's healthy? Where did it come from? That's a a process. It's a long process that you have to go through. You have to go through it because you can't do step two until you've identified all of that stuff. Here's tool number two. You've got to look at that thing that got placed into your life, and you've got to choose to forgive that person that kind of modeled that for you now, now listen, do not make an appointment with your parents to go sit down with them and say, I'm here to forgive you for messing me up, right? They didn't do it on purpose. Have you ever considered that your parents were living the way they lived because they thought it was normal because that's how they were raised? And it, and it just got passed down to them and now it's your choice and you've looked at something and you've found something in your life that's not healthy, you've got to find a way to forgive that. If you don't forgive it, you'll carry that year upon year upon year and it will end up in a counseling room where you're still feeling the weight of that in your gut. because it's got your focus, it's got your attention, and the only way to unload that is to forgive. You wanna know another reason to forgive? I did this a lot when I was young. I, I decided, like, I found some stuff that I didn't like from my parents that was over here, and so this is what I did. I did the exact opposite. I went to the extreme. I'm gonna show you, right? Never thinking, I never put this together that they were still influencing my decision to go all the way over here. I wasn't asking the question, is this healthy? I just wanted to prove I was different than they were. Good for me. I swung over to an unhealthy choice in several areas that now my kids have to deal with. See, I think one of the powerful reasons for you to forgive is that it can really make some clarity for you because do you want... People in your life have to forgive you for placing stuff in their lives, for modeling stuff for them. If you don't want that, this this act of saying, I'm gonna forgive you, really puts it in perspective. Why would I choose to keep living this way? If this is something I need to forgive somebody for, why would I do that? I want you to see um, what Jesus says about this act of forgiving. He's in uh, Mark chapter 11 he's talking to his disciples and he says this and when you standing praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you of your sins people have read this and they thought what it meant was that God is somehow withholding his forgiveness from you until you forgive but that's not the sequence God's offering forgiveness, but you'll never take it because you're so embittered by this other thing that's got your focus. You can't see his forgiveness. And when you choose to forgive and you release that thing from you, you actually have an opportunity to embrace God's forgiveness and to live a different kind of life as well. This element of forgiveness and forgiving the stuff that's flowed into your life, it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. The last thing I would recommend, if I was giving you the third tool, would be to go back and line yourself up with a thinking that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 24. You're responsible for you, they're responsible for them, you've got to decide I'm gonna carry the responsibility for my choices. Yeah, they absolutely influenced you. They, They gave you a lot of incredible tools. They probably loved you. But but for some people, this is really disheartening. They didn't have parents who loved them. And so the very idea that they might be weighted down with all the junk from those parents, listen, you're not cursed. None of us are facing a curse. None of us are being doomed, destined, programmed to live a certain way. You have responsibility for your choices. And you can in the moment be honest, I got this from my parents, I got this from my family, I got this from a sibling, but I don't want this anymore. And I'm gonna start to make a change. Listen, um, that desire to take responsibility becomes really important. Because in these areas of family, when you decide to flip the switch and to make a change in your life, what you're talking about is years to do that. It will take you years because you've been been ingrained with stuff for years. You have thought it was normal. For years, this is how you've done it. And until you get to a place where you can say, I'm responsible for this and I'm gonna change this, you're signing up for a long haul. And if you can't do that, you won't. Like, you won't make the change. You're responsible. Will you accept that responsibility or not? There's one more big idea that I think makes all of this work. In John, um, the Gospel of John, chapter one, something is said about all of us, you and I, that changes the whole thing, changes the whole thing for everybody. He says this in verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, he's talking about Jesus, all who decided to receive Jesus, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children, this is verse 13, born not out of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, you were born into a hurricane called family that shaped you. You didn't have a choice. You didn't get a vote. But now God offers you an opportunity to join his family. He offers you a chance to be his children. And the, the significance of this is that when you decide to join his family, you get a perfect father. You get a father who's gonna love you. You get a father who's gonna give you values, flow values into your life that matter, that are important, that send you in the right direction. And you're not going to get any junk from him. And the very opportunity that you were looking for to have a healthy kind of life comes from this chance to have a heavenly father who loves you so much. He adopts you, sees you as a kid. You're children of grace. And because he treats you with grace, you actually have an opportunity to live Differently. The only question is, can you have the honest conversation with yourself about what's flowed into your life that you now think is normal? And you've just been operating that way, sometimes for decades. And in God's kingdom, it's not healthy. And so the choices to understand where that came from, to forgive that it got placed there in your life, and to take responsibility for how you're going to live. That's how you face the hurricane of family. It's a good thing. It's God's design. It can leave wounds, and how you choose to deal with it will either leave you a wreck for years, or you'll start reshaping yourself in the family of God where he'll reshape your heart, reshape your mind, help you to live the kind of life you were always meant to live that's your job cho- that's your opportunity that's your chance to live let me pray with you real quick god i know this is a serious topic everybody in here has parents we feel protective of our parents many of us do some, some people have had terrible parents and the thought that they would be visited on the punishment, God, I ask that you would take the weight of that off, that they would realize that that is not how you operate. But the truth is, stuff does flow into our lives, even from parents who love us, even from parents who watch out for us. And it's our job... It's our job to be responsible for the way we're choosing to live. And too many times we have just accepted the choices that we've made as normal because everybody in my family does it. This must be normal. And we've never asked you, is this healthy? Is this okay in your kingdom? God, as we um, remember that we were invited to be your kids in your family, that you would use that to start reshaping us, that we would see this opportunity to be with a loving Father who's perfect, who flows into our life with grace and kindness and justice and righteousness. May it reset our hearts. God, we ask for the opportunity to honor you with our lives instead of excuse our behavior. In Jesus' name, amen.